Hey everyone, this is Josh from Solopreneur Grind, and I am here with Sean Ogle from LocationRebel.com. Sean, really appreciate you coming on the show today. Oh, thanks for having me, Josh. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, Sean, I, there's a lot I have to ask about because I've been perusing your blog and some of your other content of late. Super, super actionable and, and helpful and relatable stuff right now. But for those who haven't checked out your website or, or know much about you, can you tell us a little bit more about what it is that you're working on? Yeah. So, you know, to give you the quick backstory, you know, I had the most average middle-class American upbringing imaginable where you always knew what was going to happen next. You know, I didn't really make, have to make many difficult decisions. I knew when I was in sixth grade, I was going to go to Oregon state university and study business six months before I graduated. I knew I was going to go get a job with a small financial firm in Portland. Uh, what I didn't realize was in doing that, I would be doing it at the peak of the stock market in July of 2007. And by February of 2009, uh, the financial markets will have collapsed. My boss was miserable. I was miserable. Our clients were miserable. Um, the whole concept of the finance job and the suit and tie and everything that I was so excited about was just not for me. And I realized I was really unhappy uh, with doing that. So I ended up saving up all my vacation time for the year uh, to go down to Rio for carnival with my best friend. And so I begged my boss for months to let me go take this trip. And we went down and had an absolute blast. We danced in the carnival parade. We went hang gliding over Rio. We went down to Aguazu Falls, one of the seven natural wonders of the world. And on the very last day, we're sitting on Ipanema Beach and we're drinking out of a coconut, looking at, you know, girls playing volleyball and beautiful blue water. And we're, you know, saying to ourselves, it's like, we should be able to do this whenever we want. We were going back to a snowy Portland, to jobs we didn't like, and we knew a change kind of needed to happen. And this was further ingrained when the day I got back, my boss is like, hey, Sean, you know, I'm really excited to hear, hear about the trip and see your photos, but just want to let you know, uh, before we do any of that, you need to know that your paycheck's going to be about 20% lighter next month uh, than it is this month, um, because we're taking 20% pay cuts across the board. So that's when I knew, okay, like this is it. This is a sign. Something's got to change. So within two months of getting back, I started what is now Location Rebel, which was essentially a blog where I was at the time just trying to figure my life out. I called it my quarter life crisis. Uh, so I started writing about, you know, the things I was unsure about and the fact I wanted to travel and start a business. Um, over the course of the next six months, that led to me leaving my job, selling my car, moving to Thailand for a year where I, you know, basically started building up my blog and building up a freelance business. And now for the last 10 years, Location Rebel has been one of the kind of foremost sites where I teach you how to build a lifestyle business, um, you know, a, a business online that pays the bills and gives you the free time and the flexibility to do the, the things that you love to do in life. So that's kind of the, the quick version of uh, the history. Right. It's super interesting. I definitely want to dig into some of those details. The first question I have, Sean, is when you got back from that trip and, and your boss gave you that news about the 20% pay cut, and what was the process like from that day forward until you started the blog? Like, did you already have something like a blog in mind? Did it take you six months to get started? I'm interested to know kind of what the steps were that you took to get that momentum going. No. So there was actually quite the catalyst that happened just right around that time. So uh, this was, this would have been 2009. And uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, Chris Gillibo the author of The Art of Nonconformity, you know, New York Times bestselling author. Um, I had been reading his blog for a couple months and he was currently on a quest trying to go to every country in the world by the time he was 35. And a couple days after I got back, I read his blog where it said he had just moved to Portland, my hometown, Portland, Oregon. 
And so on a whim, I sent him an email and said, Hey, Chris, like, I love everything you're doing. I'm looking to make a change in my life. Is there any chance I can buy you a cup of coffee? And to my surprise, he said, yes. So I didn't have any vacation days at this point. So I had to lie to my boss and tell him I had a doctor's appointment, went over to like the hipster neighborhood of Portland in my like ill-fitting suit and tie to meet Chris for coffee. And he just starts laughing at me. He's like, you realize you're probably the only person in Portland that's wearing a suit right now. Um, and he was the one who encouraged me to start a blog. And specifically, the very first post I ever published, the very first thing, kind of the catalyst for starting a blog, was publishing my bucket list. So I was really trying to find a way to hold myself accountable for all the things that I wanted to do and all the things I had talked about doing. And so I needed that public accountability. And so to this day, if you type in bucket list, I'm one of the first things that showed up because I was one of the first people to, to publish it online. And so um, for the next few months, he was kind of, you know, my mentor. And rec frankly, for years after that, he was kind of the mentor. But, you know, I do what he said. And then six weeks later, we meet for coffee again. And I'd say, okay, I did all that. Now what do I do? And I kind of kept following his advice. And I knew I had made it when 11 months later, it was February of 2010, we got coffee at a Starbucks in Bangkok. And I'd made all these changes and he told me, you know, he was going to write about me in his first book. And so it was kind of a whole story about the, the process and the change that I went through in his, his first novel. So Amazing. Amazing. Can you take us through maybe the first four of those nine, uh, sorry, was it 11 months um, in kind of what he had you doing at the beginning? And, and like, for example, the bucket list, did you, it was that on locationrebel.com? Did you start with a different domain? How, how did you start building up the brand and, and everything like that? Yeah, so basically what happened was the domain was seanogle.com. It was my name. A couple months after that, we adopted the name Location 180, where I was trying to do a 180 degree turn in the, the direction or the location of my life. And then in 2011, we created our course and our academy and our community which was called Location Rebel. And then in 2016, uh, we decided, you know what, let's just simplify this, put everything under the Location Rebel domain, and that's where it's been since. Um, so that's kind of the origin of the, the name. But, um, you know, really, like most of what he was doing was just kind of providing encouragement and saying, yeah, you're on the right track. So, you know, I was writing on a consistent basis. I was writing two to three times a week. Um, I was trying to go out and meet other people that were doing this, you know, similar types of, of things as I was. Um, at the time, you know, commenting on blogs was still a thing. People still commented on blogs back then. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'd go read all the blogs that, you know, were do talking about similar things or people that I wanted to meet. And I would actively be commenting and introducing myself and emailing and building those relationships. And, um, you know, that's a lot of what that first six months looked like. And, you know, I really hadn't found my niche. I hadn't figured out what this whole thing was about. I wasn't sure how it was going to become a business. Um, I was kind of just throwing a lot of stuff out there and seeing what would stick, seeing what I was interested in writing about, seeing what people were resonating with. And the thing I kind of realized is there was a lot of people that were in that similar quarter life, midlife, three quarters life crisis where they're like, you know what, I'm not happy doing what I'm doing. Uh, I don't have the time and the flexibility to do the things that I enjoy doing and spend time with people I like and do the hobbies I want to do and are kind of looking for a way out. And I was the one that just happened to actually follow through and take, take the leap. Um, and so that's really been kind of, you know, especially that first year, that was kind of the crux of the story was figuring out what I wanted, leaving my job, then figuring out, you know, oh my God, I don't have a way to make any money anymore. What am I going to do to moving to mm -hmm. Thailand and kind of the adventure and learning process that I went through? Right. And how old were you at the time? And as well as 
what, were you doing all of this still full time? Like interested to know at, at what point you decided to pull the trigger and, uh, and leave your job. Yeah. So I was, I want to say I was 24 at the time. Um, oh, wow. And so relatively young, relatively young. I'd been in, you know, my finance career for two and a half, three years, uh, something like that. And, you know, it was, it was interesting because basically at one point there was a catalyst to leaving the job as well. Um, a few months after starting the blog, nobody knew I was doing it at my job. I was kind of doing it on incognito on the side and whatnot. And my boss had come up to me and he said, Hey, Sean, if you can think of any creative ways to save the company money, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear about it. We were a small company, you know, financial crisis had hit, you know, everybody was trying to think of ways to, to do something. And so what had happened was the guy that I went to Brazil with my friend, Ryan, three weeks after he got back, he was a conveyor belt salesman for a mining company. So very uninteresting. Um, he, and apologies to any conveyor belt salesman out there, uh, but when you're 23, 24 years old, I digress. So he left his job. He moved to Hawaii where he was like, you know what? I'm going to hang out here for the rest of the year. And then I'm going to take the money that I saved. And I'm going to go travel the world starting that January. And so I had been talking to Ryan every day on my lunch break. And, you know, he'd be like, Hey, what's going on? I'd be like, oh, just crunching numbers, you know, hanging out in spreadsheets, you know, reviewing companies and whatnot. Like, what about you? What are you doing? He's like, Oh, I just got done surfing. I'm sitting here reading a book at the coffee shop. I'm going to go work as a concierge at this hotel later on where they want me to go take a sunset helicopter tour because that's what I have to do, you know, recommend all these tours. And so I have to experience them firsthand so that people know, mm. know what to expect. And so I'm like, man, this guy's living the life. And so, yeah. Um, so finally my boss had came and he asked that question, said, you can think of any creative ways to save the company money. So I thought about it and thinking I was the smartest guy in the world. I put together this proposal. I spent hours on this like five, six page proposal that basically said, if you let me work remotely for three months on a trial basis, I will take a 50% pay cut to do it. I'm going to open us up to a new client base in Hawaii that we wouldn't have had access to. Otherwise, you're not going to have to pay for my parking. Uh, we're going to make the company more secure and allow you guys to travel more as we figure out how to like, you know, have secure laptops and things like that. Um, and I was like, this will be great. I'll do it for three months. We'll have the adventure. Uh, we're going to save the company a ton of money in the process. It'll be perfect. And so we had two, two or three follow-up meetings um, over the course of the next month about logistics and how this would work. And I was, I was really thinking this was going to be a thing. And about a month later, I called me into the office like, Hey, Sean, I want to talk to you for a few minutes, came to the conference room. And basically they laid it out and they said, you know what? We've decided not to accept your proposal, but we will accept this as your resignation. Wow. <laughs> and I was, I mean, I was completely caught off guard. I'm like thinking, hey, this is a win-win. I'm being created. It's going to save the money. It's going to give me the adventure that I was looking for. And, you know, we kind of went back and forth and I had the opportunity to, to save my job, you know, blah, blah, blah. But basically I was like, you know what? Like after the way I was treated and the way, <laughs> the way this whole thing went down, I said, you know what? I, I'm going to leave. I'm going to be done. And so I left just a couple days later. And at that point it was like, all right. Like I went home that day, that my last day cried was like what am i doing like i this this wasn't how this was supposed to work i'm not ready for this but the great thing was i had started the blog about six months late uh prior to that and so i had even though i wasn't making much money off it i i had that thing that i could go and work on and that thing that i could go you know spend eight hours ten hours a day on um to really grow it and keep myself busy as i figured out what the next steps were going to be right and and at that point had you seen signs that the blog had potential? Because even 
you know, e even as, as poorly as they treated you, it still must have been an extremely tough decision to still ultimately turn down that offer to keep your job, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. And, you know, the blog, it's it started to be successful. You know, like I said, there was a lot of people that were kind of going through this same dilemma I was, where it was like, well, your life is okay, but you're not real happy. You know, you can do more. Um, and so it was, it was difficult. You know, it was one of those, I wasn't exactly sure, uh, what was gonna, gonna happen next. Um, but I, I just kind of trusted that it was like, you know, for using a cliche term, everything happens for a reason. And I put myself in the position to do this. And, you know, at the time I was getting probably, hello, 20, 30,000 uniques a month, um, mm -hmm. from people that were like, Hey, like I'm, I'm looking to, you know, do a similar thing. I'm excited to follow along with your story. This is great. But the, the blog posts at that point were still all over the place. Like there had been no real, it was very much kind of a personal blog at this point, as opposed to, you know, a blog where I was trying to help other people. It's just me trying to figure out my own stuff at that point. Right. And, and what do you think it was? Well, a, I'm interested to hear, what the blog looked like at that point was it a simple wordpress website you know how how much were you kind of designing or or, or formatting or, or you know making the blog post look pretty and uh b what what else do you think it might have been because that's a lot of traffic right even after what six seven months yeah and you know at that time it was also easier to start blogs than it is now being totally honest um mm -hmm. You didn't have Instagram. You didn't really have YouTube. Twitter wasn't a thing as much. Um, you know, so that was where people were getting a lot of their information. Um, so it became a little bit easier. You know, it's like that was back in the days of RSS readers where everybody checked their RSS in the morning and, you know, they would, they would update themselves on their blogs. Um, mm -hmm. So at the time, I was just, it was all, always on WordPress and it was just a free WordPress theme that uh, was pretty, pretty ugly and <laughs> didn't, <laughs> You know, it wasn't until I, I want to say it was like 2012 where I've got my first like custom designed theme or whatever. So we, we used that ugly one for, for quite a while. Um, so, yeah. Right. And, and for those looking to maybe start a similar type blog, even though everything was kind of all over the place, what exactly was it you were writing? Was, was, were these deeply personal? Was there a lot of personal information? Because I'm assuming as, even though it might have been more popular to consume blog posts back in the day without the other forms of social, to get that much readership, I'm assuming that the posts were of pretty good content, uh, pretty good quality. Yeah, I would say one of the things I really had going for me was um, you know, my personality. I was very honest. I was very open. You know, I think looking back, you know, a lot of times people say, what's the secret to your success or whatever. And one of the, the things that I think worked well for me is you look at say a Tim Ferriss. And for most people, Tim Ferriss came out of nowhere. He wrote the four hour work week, became a huge hit. All of a sudden he's famous. Um, with me, it was, you know, Obviously, I'm still no Tim Ferriss, but you can see the entire progression. You can go back and you can see the archives from 2009 and you can see me working through my life and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. You can see that transition to living abroad. You can see me start to turn it into a business and start freelancing and then, you know, start having quite a bit more success down the line. Um, so I think that that authenticity was one of the big things that, you know, drew people to, to what I was doing. Um, but you know, it was, there was another thing I was going to add there. Now I can't remember what it was, but um, yeah, that, that authenticity I think was one of the, the big drivers of success for what I was doing. 
Right. And, and we can circle back if it, if it does pop into your head. So, so Sean, you decide you don't want to go back to your job. You now have your calendars open. You have this, this blog that's, that's got really good momentum. What do the next few months look like and how was it transitioning from full-time job, you know, going along the path that you were supposed to be on or that everyone expected you to do? Very interested to know from a tactical point, like what were you doing to start growing the blog and also from the personal point of, you know, were you doubting yourself for a long time? You know, what what were the pressures like and, and everything like that? Yeah, I mean, even to this day, I mean, when you work for yourself and you're an entrepreneur or solopreneur, like there's always doubts. You have up days and down days and you have really good financial months and months that aren't quite as good. And so there's there's always thoughts swirling around in your head, and especially when you're first getting going and you're not really making money yet. You know, I'd never, when I first started the blog, I didn't necessarily have the intention of turning it into a business. Um, I was just kind of like, hey, I'm going to do this thing and we'll see where it goes. Uh, but what ended up happening was I wrote a post called My Last Day and it talked about, hey, it's like, um, you know, I'm finally, you know, leaving. Oh, that was what I was going to say before. You're asking what type of content I was posting. Mm-hmm. I guess this kind of ties in, but I was talking about everything. I was literally, I had posts called the benefits of daydreaming, what to do when you don't know what to do, uh, happy hour of the week in Portland, how to sail the world for free, because at one point I thought I wanted to go crew on a ship and learn how to sail. I mean, it was like literally all over the place. Um, and so then we finally started rain it in a little bit, but what happened after I wrote that post about my last day was there was a guy by the name of Dan Andrews. Um, now Dan has a very popular podcast called the tropical MBA. Um, he's got a community for kind of digital nomads, people that work online called the dynamite circle. Um, but at the time he really didn't have anything. Um, he was working as the marketing guy for a physical product company. Um, and he sent me an email and said, Hey, Sean, I've been following along for a little while now. I love what you're doing. Um, I'm looking to bring an American dude out to Asia. Uh, you work for me part time. I'll teach you online marketing. And the rest of the time you have an adventure, you work on your blog, do whatever you want to do. Um, so we kind of went back and forth a little bit and I said, you know what, let's do it. So a month and a half later, I hopped on a flight to Bangkok, uh, met this random dude from the internet at 1am and it ended up being the best decision I ever could have made. Uh, we worked together for a couple of years. I kind of helped him grow, you know, his uh, podcast and his website. He taught me a lot about SEO, copywriting, freelance writing, things like that. Um, and we kind of, traveled a bunch together and we had a great, great time. And so that was kind of the catalyst that led me to, that's what led me to go to Thailand. Uh, That's what got me thinking, okay, how can I actually start making money off this website? How can I start narrowing it down and making it something that's going to be valuable and actually teach people things as opposed to just a personal blog that maybe they can relate to because they're in a similar boat or, you know, they're unhappy as well or whatever it might be. Right. Right. Very cool. That It's super interesting how all these kind of, I don't want to say stars align because a lot of it was you taking action and, and a lot of hard work, but it's just kind of funny how things work out sometimes. What would you recommend, Sean, for those who are looking to start a blog now? I guess the first question is, would you recommend people start a blog now with all these other channels? Do, do you still think that it's as lucrative or, or as uh, as good an opportunity as it was before? And if so, what, how would you start it over again if you had to? Yeah, so I 100% think people should start a blog for so many reasons. I actually have a blog post, 56 reasons <laughs> to start a blog in 2019. Right. Um, but 
for one, it gets you, it gives you an asset. I think that if you want to learn how to do anything online, if you want to build a lifestyle business, um, you've got to have some kind of basic skills, you know, the, the essentials of copywriting, the basics of design, how to set up a website, um, SEO, writing for the internet, all of these things that no matter what you do online are going to be beneficial. And the only way to learn these things is to get hands-on and have a training ground where you can actually put them into practice. And having a blog gives you that training ground. So even if it's just a personal website where all you do is throw out your random thoughts for a year, like I did when I first got started, uh, you've got that vehicle with which <coughs> you can practice and you can learn those skills. Um, but then over time, what happens is you start kind of finding your niche. You start finding, you know, the thing that you've got a little bit of expertise in and the things that people start asking you questions about. You start to kind of hone in. It's like, oh, well, I can focus on this one aspect of my life and people seem to be interested. Um, I think the problem with social media these days, and I think this is going to, I think we're kind of hitting a tipping point with this, is so many people have tried to build their brands as an influencer. Um, you know, whether it's just traveling around the world and getting paid by brands to take pretty photos or whatever, but all they have is, you know, Instagram, for instance. And then if Instagram changes their algorithm or Instagram goes away, I know people that had, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers that had their accounts deleted, um, because they, you know, broke some sort of term of service that they didn't even know they did. Um, so having a blog and having that website that gives you the ability to control more of what you're doing. It gives you the ability to capture an email address and build up an email list, which is your best asset as a marketer or someone who's doing something online. Um, and it gives you an extra way to prove that, you know, you are who you say you are and you know what you're doing and people can do some research on you to get a sense of who you, who you actually are. So I think that having that website, not only will it teach you those skills, but it gives you a much broader platform with which to, build your brand, build your business, whatever it might be. Absolutely. And, and I definitely agree as, as someone who started my own uh, almost a year ago, as well as the podcast, you just, I, you just kind of keep meeting cool people and getting new opportunities that you, you never would have uncovered otherwise. So I highly recommend it as well as I connected to the part where you mentioned that it was kind of a creative outlet, right? Because especially if it's separate from your day job or your the way you're paying the bills it's it's just nice to have that additional uh, sort of channel to get things out of your head you know oh. bounce ideas off other people and almost like a it's almost like a journal right almost like a public journal in a sense uh, and an asset like you described totally. it as you know, when I was first getting started, I was, you know, very unhappy in my day job, but I got really excited to go on my lunch break or after work, I'd go, you know, there's a couple of hotels in downtown Portland and I work in these like fancy five-star hotels. Um, and that got me excited. Even though I wasn't making money, I was making progress on something. I was doing something for myself and in the process, being able to get all those thoughts out and be creative and use that as an outlet. So even right. if you weren't sure where it's going to go or what it might lead to, I really recommend that as a good starting point. For sure. So Sean, you, you move to Thailand, you start putting in more time, more effort into the blog. It, I'm assuming it continues to grow, obviously, and, and it kind of evolves as you explained at the beginning with, you know, you had multiple kind of names and then, and then put it all under locationrebel.com. How did you convert it into more of a business? You said that was never your initial intention. And, and I'm assuming at the point where you quit your job, you, you know, you probably didn't have many products or, or you're Yep. not any affiliate income. How did you go through that transition? 
Yeah. So the first thing I started doing when I was working with Dan was basically start doing some freelancing. So I'd been learning search engine optimization. So for the next few years on top of the blog, I did freelance SEO, um, some freelance writing, you know, did that to kind of pay the bills. And then, you know, there was kind of a shift where it's like 90% freelancing and 10%, you know, the blog, and then all of a sudden it's 80, 70, 50, 50. And then the, the scale kind of tips the other way. Um, so, you know, the first way I started monetizing the site was through affiliate income. And I still remember it was May of 2010. Um, to make a very long story short, there were a bunch of riots going on in Bangkok. I had to flee my house. Um, and it was like 10.55 on a, you know, Tuesday night in Bangkok. And Chris Dillabo was getting ready to launch this big, fancy, new, expensive product. And I got an advanced copy. I did a review of it. And uh, I went down, published the review went down to go get coffee and came back up at 11.05 Bangkok time, which was the morning of the launch uh, back here in the States. And I opened up my email address or opened up my email and I've made five sales totaling about $500 in commissions. Wow. And I'm just like, whoa, okay, <laughs> this is a thing. Like, okay, this, this could actually be a business. Um, and so that was when, you know, I started doing a little bit more affiliate stuff. Later that year, September of that year, I created a course called Overcoming the Fear of Uncertainty, which is basically breaking down all of your fears and recognizing that they all stem from uncertainty. Uncertainty is really the only fear in the world. And if you can start looking at uncertainty as an asset, as opposed to something that you should avoid at all costs, then you can actually start making more significant change in your life. And so that was the first course I ever created, uh, which would have come out about a little over a year, a year and three months after I first launched the blog. And, you know, I think I made a couple thousand dollars from that, um, you know, over the course of the first month or two. And then it was about a year later, we created Location Rebel Academy. And so this was kind of my big flagship course where I had realized, hey, I've learned some things. <laughs> uh, maybe these things that I've learned will work for some other people as well. Uh, let's create a course and see what happens. And so it's actually July 26th of 2011. I said, let's put this out there. We're going to charge uh, 300 bucks for it. We're going to open it up for 20 spots in kind of a beta capacity. And I'm just going to hope that over the course of the next week, maybe we sell half that. Maybe we get 10 people to join. That would be a huge win for me. Well, what ended up happening was in 48 minutes, we had sold all 20 spots. I couldn't close the sales page fast enough. We got four more sales that came in. So on that first day, in the first hour, we had uh, 24 sales. was the equivalent of somewhere around $7,000. Um, and that's when I was like, all right, this is a thing. Like, we can, we can do this, especially if what I teach works, um, which fortunately it has. You know, um, of those first, you know, 20-some people, um, I think within a year, half of them had left their job and were doing their own thing and had evolved uh, to move on to some other things. So, um, you know, that was, what? eight years ago. And now we're at over 3000 members from over 40 different countries with some of the most unbelievable case studies and success stories I could have ever asked for. Wow. That's, that's amazing. And, and since then, has there been much change? Is, is it mostly kind of maintaining, obviously adding some content, adding courses? Like what, what does your life look like these days? What keeps you excited? Man, it's constantly evolving. Um, so the one kind of, you know, Location Rebel is still the biggest part of it. Um, you know, we're constantly bringing new people into the community. I've gotten really excited about our YouTube channel over the course of the last six months. So I post videos once or twice a week, depending on the week. Um, that's kind of half travel video, half, 
you know, how to build a business type stuff. Uh, but in 2012, what I kind of realized was like, Hey, I've learned a lot about online marketing. Um, I'm traveling quite a bit. Let's, let's apply everything I've learned to something that I'm really passionate about, which happens to be golf. I'm a big, big golfer. Um, so I had set this quest to try and play the top 100 golf courses in the world. And I created a website where I was going to document the journey. Um, and so now I'm actually at the point I've played just about half of the top 100 golf courses in the world. And that whole, you know, breaking 80, um, brand, um, has turned into a business of itself. And so we actually created a private community for private golf club members around the world. Uh, it's kind of a networking thing. So if you want to go play this exclusive course that you wouldn't have access to otherwise, um, you have the ability if there is another member in the club that is a member of that course. And so we host a handful of events a year, uh, but it's generally a fairly passive thing. You know, I put out a couple newsletters a month and I'm active in the forums and I help kind of play concierge for people when they're needing introductions and things like that. But, um, you know, as kind of, I get one thing tied up a little bit, like I did with Location Rebel and it's kind of humming and doing its own thing. Then I move on to kind of the next, you know, business around a hobby, which was golf. And then just recently, which I haven't even talked about publicly, but I've started another brand all about cocktails. Um, okay. I'm on a quest to go to the top 100 bars in the world. So I've now been to 58 of those and I've started documenting that experience. So, um, so yeah, so it kind of each day is very different, but it just kind of goes back to what am I excited about working on in that moment and, um, you know, devoting time to it. Awesome. And, and as a golfer myself, I'm curious, what's been your favorite one so far? Man, personally, it's Pebble Beach, you know, in the golf community, it's kind of a, uh, you know, it's people either, I don't, I wouldn't say many people hate it. It's either a love it or they think it's overrated, but I've had, I've played it twice now. I've had some incredible experiences there. Um, yeah, so it'd be Pebble Beach, National Golf Links of America, which is out in the Hamptons on Long Island, Marion, Royal Dornick, Bandon Trails, Los Angeles Country Club. I think that's like my top six. I publish my list of my favorite top 100 courses every year. So um, Very cool. got that on. I'm breaking 80. Very, very cool. So, Sean, I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, strategies and tactics for those who want to do some of this stuff in practice. The, the website, locationrebel.com, is great. So we'll, we'll plug that at the end as well. I'll have a link in the description. If you are looking for some of this type of advice, I highly recommend uh, everybody go take a look. But you mentioned that you started freelance SEO work. I'm curious, for those who want to get into some type of freelance work, whether it's, you know, quit their job and start freelancing or freelance on the side or freelance part-time to fund their passion project or, or, you know, their blog like you did. How did you break into that, right? Because from from what I, from my experience and what I know, you know, the hardest part, especially if you're starting in something new, like let's say you're just picking up SEO or digital marketing or whatever it may be is how do you get clients at the beginning? So I'd love to hear about how you broke into that and if you have any tips for people who are looking to as well. Totally. Well, first off, you know, I often what I um, teach in Location Rebel is what I call the boring approach to building an online business. Right. Um, you know, I don't necessarily care about your passion. I care about getting you to the point where you can, you know, have something that enables you to do your passion. So was I passionate about SEO? Not really. Was I passionate about the fact it let me live in Thailand and Bali and go golf whenever I wanted? Absolutely. 
Um, these days, I think freelance writing is the easiest way to get started online. It's a skill most of us already have. It's not difficult work and it's not difficult to find clients. It's just a matter of being able to stay persistent <laughs> and deal with the fact that it can take some time. Um, so what I often say is you look at people that are doing, you look at most freelancers, the people that are pitching jobs and more often than not, you see them, they have a stock, you know, template email, they'll mail merge it, they'll send it out to a hundred people and hope that maybe one of them responds. And that just doesn't work. Um, if you actually want to get clients, you know, you find agencies, you find businesses that are looking for it and there's all sorts of ways to do that online. But you find those people, you do a little bit of research on who they are and then you take 10 minutes for each one and you send them a thoughtful personal email. Because um, if you take the time to send something that's thoughtful and personal, at the very least, you're probably going to get a response back, even if it's no. Um, but it, Or it could be, hey, it's nice that you actually sent a personal email. I'd love to, to learn more. And then you've opened up the door for a conversation. And that's just something that so few freelancers actually do. Um, mm -hmm. one of the things, the other things that's also worked really well for me personally is going to in-person meetups in complementary industries. So it was actually my first outside of working with Dan, my first SEO job, well, I got it two weeks after I got back from living in Thailand. Uh, there was kind of a, a search, you know, social media marketing event in Portland, which encompasses, you know, social media and design and SEO and various things. And I started telling people, it's like, what do you do? I do freelance SEO. Oh, we're looking for uh, someone to do that. I got offered three jobs on the spot because right. most of the people that were there were, you know, in marketing agencies. They, they were doing kind of the broader scope and they needed someone that could focus down on that. But, you know, I would also go to like web design meetups because what you would end up seeing is there was all these web designers that didn't know anything about, you know, uh, search engine optimization. But when someone comes to them, they're like, yeah, we want a new, we want a new website. And it's like, well, along with that, they also want to make sure it's optimized for SEO and have a plan in place for that. So they could be like, oh, well, we don't do that, but we, we've got a guy and we'll bring him on. And so finding those, those meetups where you can actually meet someone in person, talk to them, um, especially the ones that are in just kind of slightly different industries than what you're doing, um, I found that to be really successful. Right. Yeah. Those are two really, really practical tips really for any business as well. If like I operate my own service business and, and those are probably two of the main ways that I, that I use to, uh, to get clients, especially at the beginning. And, and what about Sean, if people want to start a blog today, they're working full time, they don't really know what they want to do, but like you, you know, back in, in 2007, I think you said they're unhappy. Um, you know, they, they like the idea of location rebel. What would you recommend that they do? So for those person, those people, I would say the very, very first step where you're like, I want to do something. I don't have a whole lot of time. I'm not sure what to do. Buy a domain, get a hosting account, install WordPress. Doing that, it's like, that's going to give you the basics of your kind of training ground. You can do that in two hours or less. Um, if you don't know what name or what to call it, just get a variation of your name.com or your name.co or something like that. Um, but that's at least going to be a step in the right direction. That's going to be a tangible action you can take that says, you know what, I'm going to commit the, you know, $36 a year for the free domain and the hosting account to actually start going down this path. And then regardless of what direction 
uh, you take the blog or you take that website, you know, it can kind of be whatever you want it to be. If you want to get involved in freelancing, then you can make that your freelance services website where you have an about page and you talk about your rates and you have your samples and all those things. If you want to create a niche site and you want to make money through affiliate marketing and building your reputation around a certain niche or hobby, kind of like I did with golf, then you've got the beginnings of that. Um, so I think that is the number one step that you can, can take. I think along with that, if you're serious about it, um, at the beginning of every week, I do it every Sunday, schedule in, put it on your calendar. This is when I'm going to work on the business. Even if you don't know what you're going to do, you sit down at your computer and, you know, even if it's writing 200 words about the topic you want to do or writing 200 words about the fact you don't even know what to do, building the routine, building the habit of, you know, committing to yourself and putting in the time that you're going to start working on this thing is really important because otherwise it'll just get pushed to the side, especially when you don't have that clarity on what it's actually going to become or what it actually is. Uh, so by scheduling a little bit of time each week to, to go through that and start working through it, will ensure that you're actually going to make progress on it. Right. Yeah, that's great stuff. Sean, you, you've now worked with a lot of people and helped a lot of people uh, break through or, or find, you know, a happier kind of career, profession, whatever you want to call it. What are two or three of the big mistakes that you see very often or, or two or three of the things you often find yourself suggesting to people or, you know, just common errors or, or things you wish people would consider a little bit more? Yeah. So one of the first things I see a lot is people have one big goal. Maybe their goal is I want to be making 10 grand a month and I want to quit my job and travel the world. Um, having that one big goal can be really daunting because you could be working for six months, a year longer, and you're still nowhere near that one goal. So you look at the scoreboard, you're 0 for 1. You're batting 0%. Um, that can be really demoralizing. I can be like, man, I still haven't done this. So what I recommend people, especially as they're just getting going, is what I call the milestone mindset. So instead of having one big goal, set dozens of milestones. So it could be, um, you know, buying that domain, installing WordPress, um, you know, installing a theme, you know, writing your first blog post, getting your first comment, reaching out to your first, you know, blogger or, you know, entrepreneur that you respect. So you have all of these things. And so over the course of six months, maybe you've got a hundred different milestones. You're like, oh, whoa, I've done 54 of these things. Uh, cool. Now all of a sudden you're, you know, batting over 500 and, you know, things are looking a little bit better. You're able to, you know, see that you've made that progress and build off that momentum that you've built as opposed to just feeling defeated and demoralized because you haven't hit this one, you know, very like outlandish goal that you had. And so, so I think that's one of the first things that I would recommend. Um, the, the second thing I see all the time is a lack of accountability. You know, people think that being a solopreneur means it's, you have to do everything on your own and you're the only person that matters. Uh, that couldn't be farther from the truth. In fact, if you're a solopreneur more than any, anyone else, you need that accountability. You need to find a, a support group or you need to find a support person. So for me, it was Ryan. Ryan was living in Hawaii and every day I would talk to him on my lunch break and, you know, he was the one that kind of motivate, motivated me to say, hey, we need to start pushing towards a change. Uh, we need to start, you know, continuing to move towards that goal. If, <clears throat> if he got to the point where he was taking that world trip that I mentioned and I was still sitting in my cubicle, I was going to be ab even more miserable than I was just because of my own inability to take action on the things that I wanted. And so maybe it's a close friend that has a similar goal. 
Uh, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's an online community. Like, you know, that's part of the reason why we, you know, created Location Rebel Academy so that people find, you know, those like-minded people that have those similar goals. Um, but figuring out how to bring a sense of accountability into what you say you're going to do so that you're actually, you know, held liable for the things that, that you said and the goals that you set for yourself. Right. Awesome. Yeah, those are, those are great piece of advice. Sean, the last question or two I have are, are a little more on the, the personal side. What was it like kind of uplifting and, and moving across the world pretty much? And, and how has being location independent, um, I'm not sure how to word this, I, I guess affected your life because part of me loves the idea and, and part of me is also a little bit of a homebody, right? So I, totally. I like having my home base. I like being near my family and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm very interested to hear what that's been like for you, especially because you did it, you know, in your mid twenties, a, a formidable age, uh, a, a great time to do that type of traveling. Would love to hear what that's been like for you over the years. Yeah. So first off in 2014, actually all on the same day, I had my 29th birthday I got engaged and I closed on a house wow. and I remember being terrified because all of a sudden it's like, you know, you're getting married, you've got a house, you're getting tied down. My whole brand has been built around travel and, you know, being location dependent, digital nomad, whatever you wanted to call it. Um, and that was a really scary thing for me. And I'm not gonna lie, you know, when I was in my early to mid twenties, you know, the travel and the adventure, it was amazing. It was everything I hoped it would be. It was every experience that I didn't get uh, right out of college. You know, I was supposed to take a three-month trip with all my friends backpacking through Europe. That trip got cut down to two and a half weeks because I got this job. So I kind of still had this wanderlust that I never had a chance to do. Mm -hmm. But here's what I've learned about this lifestyle and the location-independent lifestyle is that it really is whatever you want it to be. It's not about 100% travel and just go, go, go all the time. It's not about just being able to work from home every day in your sweatpants. It's about being able to do whatever it is that excites you. And so for me personally, I've found this balance where, you know, I travel this year, I'll probably be gone four months out of the year. So that's still like a considerable amount of travel for the average person. But when I'm here in Portland, my life is very normal. It's just like every other person's life. You know, I've got a, a gym I go to. I've got the coffee shops I go to. I've got, you know, my circle of friends. I've got the golf course I go and I work at and, you know, golf at. Um, and so it's, it's really one of those things where you, you kind of throw out the notion of what should be, where it's like everyone's like, oh, you, you should be traveling all the time or, oh, you shouldn't be traveling at all. You're married. Uh, you kind of really realize it's about, you know, being able to do the things that excite you. And that's what it's all about. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's a great response. Sean, my last question is, what would you say to those people who are sitting, you know, at their desks or in their cubicles right now, not happy with, uh, with where they're at in their lives? I think the first thing you have to do is recognize that you're not happy. I think that's something that so often people end up being in this point where they're like, ah, you know, things are okay or fine, but they, they don't ever consciously sit and admit to themselves, I am not happy in my life. You know, it's just like uh, an alcoholic. The first thing you have to do is admit you have a problem or admit you have an addiction or whatever. So it's like, as soon as you can admit that you actually are truly not happy with what you're doing, it becomes a lot easier to start taking steps towards whatever it is that you do want to be doing and, and that thing that you think is going to make you happier. Um, so I think that's, that's kind of the, the first step. Um, I also think, you know, when people sign up for my email list, I ask them two questions. 
I say, one, what does your perfect day look like? And two, what's the biggest thing you're struggling with right now? And a lot of times it's funny, people will, you know, reply and they're like, you know what? Like, I thought this would be really easy to answer, but I realized I don't really know. I don't know what my perfect day looks like. You know, I've, I've got all of these struggles, but what is the, the biggest one? Um, and sitting down and actually, you know, having conscious answers to that, because what does your perfect day look like? Okay, that's what you're working towards. That's what we're trying to get to. And what are you struggling with? All of a sudden, it's kind of like, okay, well, I had all these issues, but I wasn't aware of them. I didn't make the conscious decision to recognize them. Um, and as soon as you can do that, then I think it makes it a lot easier to have the motivation to pursue that business, to pursue that goal, to pursue that blog or whatever, whatever it is for, for you. Um, so I think the, the realization aspect and the, the being honest with yourself is an important part of it. For sure. That's great. I might be jumping on the email list right after, uh, yeah. <laughs> after this recording, Sean, really appreciate you coming on the show. These were some really great answer answers. I, I know I personally have gotten a lot out of them for people who want to hear more from you, read more from you, learn more about you. Where do you, I mean, we've mentioned uh, a few URLs, but, but where do you recommend that they go to check you out more? Yeah. So best place, locationrebel.com. Uh, we've got literally 10 years of content, hundreds of blog posts, uh, like 200 videos um, that are all about, you know, how to live this lifestyle and everything that goes along with it. The ups and the downs, the productivity, the travel, you name it. Um, also, like I said, a lot of the content we've been putting out lately is on our YouTube channel, which is just youtube.com slash locationrebel. Um, you know, I'm on Instagram at Sean Ogle, S-E-A-N-O-G-L-E. Um, and if anybody is into golf, then breaking 80.com with 80 spelt out. Uh, those are, those are kind of the best ways to get a hold of me. I'm pretty easy to find. Awesome. Have, have you broken 80? I did. I broke it, you know, three or four years after starting the website. So now I've probably broken Amazing. it a dozen times, something like that. Awesome. That's still my goal. About two summers ago, I started playing a lot more and I got real close once or twice, but I, I still haven't broken it and haven't had as much time the last few summers, but I'll get there. Sean, thanks again for coming on the show and, and sharing your insights. I really appreciate it. No, it's my pleasure. Thank you again for having me. Hey everyone, Josh here, checking in just one last time. Wanted to say thanks so much for listening to the podcast episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. And if you want to keep getting more of the Solopreneur Grind content, make sure to join the email list. What I do is send three emails a week with additional content, such as what's going on in the background of my Solopreneur journey, insights I'm having on business, and updates when new podcast episodes like these come out as well. It's free. It always will be. The link to join is in the description of whatever podcast platform you're listening this to on. Really hope to have you on the list and continuing to share these awesome solopreneur journeys and insights with you as well. Have a great day and hope to see you soon.